I'm being a little bit mischievous this morning, so y'all bear with me, okay? We're having a we're having a short church service because all those folks that grumble about us preaching too long are not here today. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're not. We're just. This is just the way things is working this morning. We're not cutting down anything. You know, uh, I said that, and then I thought about what I'm preaching about today. That we'll give account of every idle word we speak. And that was sort of idle words that I spoke just then, wasn't it? <laughs> so, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 12 again this morning. Because again today we want to look at what we started last Sunday about the heart and mouth connection. The heart and mouth connection. You know, it's important that we get a hold of this, folks. It's important that we come to the point of understanding. Just like in the natural from the human heart, this organ that we call the human heart, to our mouth is less than 12 inches in the natural sense. And that tells me how quick that things that are in our heart can get out of our mouth before we know it and before we can catch a hold of it. So therefore, it's, it's, it, would, it serves us to have the right things in our heart so that when we speak, that we'll speak the right things out of our mouth. Because according to the Scripture, <clears throat> our mouth is only going to speak what's in our heart. That, and you say, well, I, 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 I say a whole bunch of junk and it's not in my heart. Well, I, I beg your pardon. Okay? I take what the Word of God says above what you say. Okay? And uh, so that's the final authority. Matthew chapter 12 Verse 33 through 37. Now let me remind you again the setting that Jesus gave this teaching in. He had cast out a devil out of a man in the temple. And they came and said that he's casting out devils by the devil. And you think, well now how can that work? Well, I don't have time to go into a, 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 a dissertation about the demonic realm. don't really like to glorify them anyway at all, okay? But I will tell you this, that they have rank and file in the demonic kingdom. And, and all you got to do is go to Scripture like Ephesians 6, where it talks about, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is, this is spiritual rank. And, and you remember in, in Matthew chapter 7, Father, for many shall say, the one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter in the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, for many shall say unto me in that day, Did we not cast out devils in your name, and prophesy in your name, and do many great works in your name? But he said, But then I will profess to them, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. For everything, always remember this, For everything that the Spirit of God has, the devil has a counterfeit for. And he's trying to deceive us, with his counterfeits, and he's doing some pretty good things in a lot of places, like the guys I talked about to begin with, you know, about the church that they're starting in, in Orlando, Florida. That's completely out of line. That's not even in line with anything that we find in the Word of God. But there'll be people that flock to that because it sounds good. But it's a deception. And there's a lot of deceptions. They look good, and they smell good, they feel good. And they sound good. 
but it's a deception. So that's the reason that we're told time and time and time again that we are to, to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightfully dividing the word of truth. So we have to study so that we'll know when these counterfeits come along. So, uh, and another time they, they challenged Jesus about this. They said, well, if I cast out devils by the prince of devils, then who do your children cast them out by? So that happens. In the, in the spiritual realm, there's ranks. And a higher rank can command a lower rank demon and they have to do that. Okay? So somebody that's not even a, a Christian can command a demon to go if their demon's higher rank. You say, well, that sounds foolishness. Well, it's the truth. I don't care how foolish it sounds, it's the truth. And that's, that's what we see in a whole lot of things that's going on in this earth today. So, so we want to remember that. But anyway, this is what's going on. But then Jesus turned to him and said this. Every word that you speak against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anything you say against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And what he's doing, he, he, he's actually turning to these religious leaders and saying to them, you better watch what you're saying because that's going to take you to hell if you don't. Now, that's pretty strong, isn't it? But this is the manner that Jesus was saying. We've got to understand, Jesus was not little, you know, oh, y'all, just be nice. No. He was saying to them, that kind of talk will end you in hell. Because that kind of talk will come to a point to where it will not be forgiven, neither in this life or in the life to come. But then he turns and tells them why they're talking this way. And the truth is what we draw our lesson from. Why are they talking this way? And he said to them, either make the tree good, and the true good, tr tr fruit good, or make the tree corrupt and the fruit corrupt. For a tree is, is known by his fruit. Now, like we said last Sunday, and, and what we're talking about here, the tree here is the heart. The fruit is the mouth and the words that come out of the mouth. Just like a peach tree that didn't get killed by this freeze this week, okay? We'll have some peaches on it down the road. That's the fruit that comes out of that peach tree. So what comes out of our heart is the fruit that shows what kind of heart we have. And so many trees, you don't know what kind of tree they are until you see the fruit of them because you take a scaly, scaly bark hickory nut tree and a scaly bark oak looks a whole lot alike just looking at them, but their fruits are altogether different. Altogether different. So... We know a tree by its fruit. And this is what he's trying to get across to these people. Then he said, oh, you generation of vipers, how, how can you be an evil speak good things? Now, he's talking to a group of people here that's supposed to be the religious leaders of the day. But because of what they were saying, he was able to know their heart that their heart was not good. You know, it's easy for us to have a good heart around church, isn't it? Isn't, that, isn't it easy? I mean, it's, the reason I say that because it's easy for us to talk the good things around church. But sometimes we get where we have to catch ourselves. Like when the ice won't come off the window. If Amanda wants y'all to know the rest of that story, she'd tell you. 
<laughs> but it's out there where it's important for us to have the right kind of fruit that we're showing to the world. And the only way we can do that is to have the heart right. He said, how can you be an evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The Amplified Translation says, out of the super overflow. The super of what's in there the most is what's going to come out of there the quickest. You got that? What's in there the most is going to be what comes out of there the quickest. Now, I know I'm going to remind you of this. I've used this illustration a lot of times, but let me use it again. Because we've got some folks here that's never heard it before, so I enjoy when folks never heard my illustrations and I give them and the rest of you. See, now just think about this. Every time I give an illustration over, it builds something in you that's already heard it, and the others, they're having to play catch-up. Okay? You can take a tube of toothpaste that's white on the inside. Pretty packaged. You can take that tube of toothpaste and cover it over with gold tape and write gold on that. I've got a package of gold. And that's when it's easy in nice, easy, gentle situations, it's easy to talk good things out of your heart. But when it comes down to pressure, when it comes down to temptation, when it comes down to the peer pressure of the conversation that we're involved in, or, or it comes to, to temptation, or it comes to, to, to something else, just like that tube of toothpaste, even though you've got it looking like it's gold, when you take the cap off, cap off and squeeze it, put pressure on it, toothpaste comes out. So we want to be sure that what's in our heart is good. Now, it seems like any time that a preacher preaches about stuff like this, he's always going at it from the negative standpoint. Because there's a negative part of this that we need to understand. Everything we say, think, and do is not all right, good, and sweet. I know, you know, I had, to, I had to deal with David Carroll yesterday afternoon. And if you folks have never had to deal with David Carroll, you're blessed. Okay? I had to deal with me. We, we went to track meet, got to see Alyssa run, got to see Ariana run, and boy, they did good. Alyssa finished second out of all of those 32 schools that was there, I believe it was. Finished second in which, which event was? 100-meter hurdles. I can't, I couldn't even run a hundred meters, much less jump something while I'm running it. You know, she did good. Ran in some other races, but she finished she is a second. Hey, out of out of a, that many people that was there running it, that was tremendous. And then Ariana, she did good in some races, but then her team won the four by four hundred meter relay. I mean, just run it going away. But here's what I'm saying is this. I sat there. Other than these two girls running and what they were doing, I'd just soon sit out in the yard and watch grass grow. I mean, that's how interesting it is to me. But there's other people around. J.J. and them was there. Gabby and them was there. And we could talk and, and have fellowship. But there's a group of kids down here that after a while just got real obnoxious. Got on my nerves. I started to say something. I said, nah, I ain't going to do that. I, I wouldn't be doing any good by doing that. But I, what I'm talking about, I got irritated. And 
Sometimes whenever I'm irritated, I'm not the easiest person to live with. Sister Carol said, Amen. (laughs) But I had to work on me. But I was able to overcome that. Why? Because I I let more... I was determined to let more of the good part in me, in my heart, come out than that negative stuff that I had sat there and endured all afternoon. Now, we got, see, we've got a choice to make. We can decide that we're going to speak good or we can decide that we're going to speak evil, but it comes from the kind of heart that we have in us. Now, as we look at this, in verse 35... He said, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. Now, as I was studying that this week, you know I do a lot of word study. I'm always looking up words, see what they, all the stuff that's involved in the original languages going This treasure, I found out this word treasure, even though it's not translated in any Bible I could find, this tre- word treasure also means a deposit. But I got to thinking about that now. To me, and what I'm, I guess I'm still living in Fantasy Island, so, so bear with me a minute. But when I see the word treasure, I think about buried treasure. Something you discover. Something that you didn't really know was there, but all of a sudden you happened up on it and there it was, and it was a treasure to you. I mean, you, you come across something that nobody thinks worth anything and it ends up being worth a tremendous amount. I heard a story this week and read it in the news about a young boy that was at this uh, diamond mine place out in Arkansas and went on the grounds there, paid $10 to go scouting for diamonds and went on the grounds there and within less than 30 minutes had found a 7.5 carat diamond that would be worth millions of dollars. That's a treasure, wasn't it? Something he didn't know was there, but he found that. So many times we'll say things, well, where'd that come from? Huh? Isn't that the truth? What? Man, I don't know why I said that. Man, I can't believe I said that. Well, you did, and it came from the treasure of your heart. Now, isn't that what he said? A good person, out of the good treasure, is going to do good things, going to say good things, going to bring forth good words out of his heart. But an evil person is going to do just the opposite of that. So as I looked this word up, treasure, I saw that it also means deposit, which makes more sense to me than just thinking about a treasure, something you discover. A deposit is something that you put in or something that someone else puts in. But you allow it to happen. You see what I'm saying? Now, I've, I've never had anybody to deposit money into my checking account, and then all of a sudden I found out I had money in my checking account. Well, where'd that come from? That'd be a treasure, wouldn't it? I've never had that to happen. You may have, and, and that's wonderful. But you know, everything that's ever gone into my checking account, I deposited it there. You, you follow what I'm saying? I deposited it there. And the only way that I, it came out of there is that I made a withdrawal. Or somebody makes a withdrawal. But for a purpose of our study, I made a withdrawal. 
I put it in, I draw it out. I put it in, I draw it out. Now, when it comes to thinking about a heart and what goes into our hearts, it's the, it's the exact same thing. See, we make deposits into our heart by the things we watch, by the things we listen to, by the things we read, stand around with and run around with. We have with other people the, the crowd that we stand around with and run around with and by the things that we think on. We, we get our mind and let it wander and we start thinking on things that's not really so, that's not really there, and before long we've made it a whole lot bigger than what it seems like that it really is because of what we've allowed to get into our hearts, the things that we've deposited in there. Now, folks, it's been proved time and time again that people are moved by what they see especially when they see that over and over and over and over and over again. And that's the reason that, that I so many times say that we need to be, you, you need to be real cautious about the things that you watch on television. You say, no, wait a minute, preacher. I know that that's not real, and I can distinguish between the fantasy and the real. Okay. But the things that you see from that TV that's not good and wholesome, you begin to see that and you begin to hear those words and it begins to get in you and given the right situation, you'll act that out or those words will come out of your mouth. Y'all sure are quiet this morning. I ain't made y'all mad to begin with, did I? The things we watch, the things we listen to, when you come to church, can I tell you this? When you come to church and we sing the songs of praise, can be making a deposit into your spirit. The Word of God, when it's preached or taught, or whoever's in this pulpit doing it, can make a deposit into your heart. And you take the things from here and you go out with it. But you know, it's so sad that you can a week later tell what was on a TV program, but you can't tell when you get out of the door ten minutes later what the preacher preached about. Made you mad again, didn't it? So, so we get the deposit. We, it's going to deposit into us. See, when you worry, you're making the deposit into your heart. Worry is the negative part of meditation. Now, you get good things into your heart by meditating in the Word. Meditating means that you think on the Word of God. You think on the good things. You, you think about what God's done for you. you, you like David was whenever... Uh, they'd burned this town and taken his wife and children and all they had, all of these men, 600 men, and every one of them standing there with a rock in their hand fixing the stone him, that he sat down and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And how he did that was by meditating on the good things that God had done for him. Meditating on the giants. Meditating on all the victories that he had won as a young man. He sat there and was, and was meditating on these things and encouraged him. He needed to pray. And he said... I know what we need to do now. We need to pray. Well, most of us, we get situations like that where all this stuff's coming against us, then we want to worry. We, we look at the worst-case scenario in every situation that comes along unless we're determined that we're going to see the best-case scenario in it. 
the worst case. We worry ourselves into negative thinking. When you gossip, you're making a deposit. Can I tell you this? When you listen to gossip, you're making a deposit. You don't have to tell filthy jokes to have filthy stuff in your heart. You can listen to filthy jokes and it'll get in there because it's making a deposit. Now, I know this is tough and not crowd-building kind of preaching. I realize that. But it's character-building kind of stuff. Character is what's going to be pleasing to God, not crowds. God will take care of the crowds if we'll take care of the character. That's a pretty good saying. That's something you need to put on the sign there one day, dear sister. God will take care of the crowds if we'll take care of the character. All right. Gossip. Talking about people. None of us are guilty of that, but I'm telling you, just in case it ever comes up, you ought to tell people, no, I'm not listening to that because I don't want that deposited into my heart. There's people that can't live without it. But if we'd understand how damaging gossip is, how hurtful it is, not only to the one that we're talking about, but the one that we're talking to and the one that's doing the talking. Uh, when you're thinking on or meditating on anything, you're making the deposit. When we're always expecting, talking, and believing the worst. You're making a deposit into your heart. Good things. Jesus said, a good man out of the good deposit brings forth good things. Now, he didn't say a good man out of the evil deposit brings forth evil things. He said a good man brings forth good things. The evil man brings forth evil things. Uh, we're making a deposit, positive or negative. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul is talking here about not worrying, but praying about everything and giving thanks to God for everything. And then when he gets here in Philippians 4, 8, he says this, finally, and I think he, it's not like a last resort. Here's a last resort, and if nothing else works, do this. I don't believe that's where Paul's coming from, but this may be this for some people. I mean, your life is so negative, and you're so down, and your words are so negative, and the things you bring out of your heart are not encouraging to you or to anybody else, and if there's nothing else you can do, finally... But I believe the attitude he's coming at here is this. Don't worry. Pray. Give thanks to God. And then when you do that, the last thing that you want to do is don't just go start worrying about it again. I mean, what can you do by worrying? Jesus talked about that said, can a leopard change his spots? No. Can you grow uh, taller by worrying? No. These things don't happen. So when you worry... You're feeding junk into your heart. But he said, now, after you've done all of this other stuff, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Why? 
because these things will put a, a good deposit into your heart. And as you think on these things, the deposit gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And the next time a situation comes up that there's the least little bit of pressure in, then you're going to speak what's true and honest and good and just and lovely and pure over that situation. Why? Because you got it in here. Now, if you don't believe that'll work, try it. I, I, I think that years ago I probably was one of the most negative persons there was. And, and I would talk it. And I, and I would talk things about myself that were not so. And see, here's a, a problem that a lot of us have. We say things about ourselves that we don't need to be saying. Not just to other people, but about ourselves. You, you know, never look in the mirror and say, you ugly. Every person is beautiful to God. Understand that. And if somebody else tells you ugly, just tell them, hey, look, man. I'm enjoying where I'm at. You're the one that's got the problem. I'm enjoying it. Ninth grade in school. I think about this a lot of time. That when I was in, the, I guess, eighth or ninth grade in school, and we had poetry, we had to learn some limericks. How can I remember back all of that, okay? Thank you, Lord, for a good mind. Amen? And it was one of them that we did that said, as a beauty, I'm not a great star. There's others more handsome by far. But my face, I don't mind it because I'm behind it. It's the folks in front that I jaw. You see, I, I, I see that as a good attitude, a good self-image. And, and it's not being prideful and puffed up, but it's understanding who we are in Jesus. We need to quit putting ourselves down and follow this kind of thing about all of us. See, too many wrong deposits. Here's the, here's the thing we need to understand. Too many wrong deposits over time will lead to an evil heart of unbelief. Now, we're going to talk about this later as we go on in this series, but I want to just touch on it right now for a minute. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. It's talking about the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. And all the doubt and unbelief that those people taught from the time they left, or before they left Egypt, until they got to Jordan. All of this negative talk, time and time, and negative things that they would say, and they're grumbling and they're murmuring. After a while, God had a label for all of that going on in their heart. He said, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Now, how do you take heed? You take heed with your words, the things that you say, the thoughts that you have. You begin to take heed with these things and bring it over to where that, that you're not talking doubt and unbelief because an evil heart of unbelief is going to talk evil things, especially doubt and unbelief. An evil heart of unbelief is one that's always saying, I don't care what you say, I'm sick and I'm going to stay this way. Or an evil heart is one that's always saying, got money in their bank, got money in their pocket, and saying, boy, I sure am broke. Boy, we just poor old folk, poor folk. No, you're not poor old folk. We need to understand, people. And, and, and I'm somebody, like we talked about in the song, I'm made in the image of Jesus Christ. I'm made in the image of God physically, and when I was born again, I was made in the image of Jesus Christ spiritually. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I was thinking about that song. We, you know, people want to 
be quick to say, oh, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. He said, that saved a wretch like me. Well, are you? And people say, well, I'm still just no wretch. Well, are you still lost? Oh, no, I'm not lost. I'm found. Well, then you're not a wretch anymore either. Why can't we start saying things about us that God says? We can when we have them in our heart. You got that? An evil heart of unbelief. I want to shift gears for just a minute. I want to go to Proverbs chapter 18. Last week we ended in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 23. It talks about a good man teaches his mouth to talk and say good things. In Proverbs 18, I'm going to read this to you from the Amplified Bible, or you can read it along with me. A man's moral self shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth. What's the fruit of your mouth? It's the words you speak from your heart. Isn't it, that, isn't it what we learned in the beginning? A man's moral self or his being shall be filled with the fruit of his mouth and with the consequences of his words he must be satisfied whether good or evil. You're going to be satisfied with your words one way or the other. I want to be satisfied with good, don't you? All the, well, and, and so there's something that I need to realize here. Because the next verse says, in, in, in verse 21, death and life, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. He always talk, if you always talk in death and doubt, and discouragement about everything, then that's what you're going to see. Folks, we've we got to change our perspective of what we believe and how we treat us. See, we connect with God. We connect with people through the words that we speak. Words are, are an important part of our everyday life. Our vocabulary is words. Our vocabulary is not thoughts. But you know thoughts are words. And words come from thoughts. Thoughts come from words. Words come from thoughts. So, so we connect, I connect with God by words, by praise, and, and believing on Him and confessing with my mouth. I connect with my wife, I connect with my family, I connect with you with words. So what I need to do is learn to choose to speak life in these situations instead of speaking death. I like, uh, I like a lot of different kinds of music, especially you know if it's Christian music, I like it pretty well. Some gets a little borderline for me. But anyway, I like Toby Mac. Any young folks like me like Toby Mac? I like Toby Mac pretty well. And there's one song that he does is Speak Life. Speak Life in the deadest, darkest night. And he talks about regardless of what the situation is, what's coming along, speak life into that situation. Speak life. Why? Because I have the power of doing that in my tongue, especially if my heart is full of life. I have the power... And not only the power, but the obligation before God to speak life into every situation. See, there's, there's some of you that need to speak life into your body. You say, well, I'm alive. I'm talking about when you speak life, you're speaking health. When you're speaking life, you're speaking ability. When, when you need to, and, and in your abilities, you need to speak life, speak good things, in your mental things. Let me tell you, uh, 
young folks, there's not a one of you that ought to fail a grade or a test or anything else in school because you have the ability, if you're a child of God, you have the mind of Christ in you and you need to tear yourself that all the time. And this old thing, one, one thing I have noticed that adults do and it passes down to children, they grow up as adults doing it and it passes down to their children, is always, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. Every time. As far as yourself and others around you and your abilities and your relationship with God and what God's called you to do, every time you say, I can't, you're speaking death into that thing. You can. You can. God has given you the ability to learn, to comprehend. He's given you the ability to work. He's given you the ability, look here, He's given you the ability to make, to, to, to obtain wealth. Do you know that? In Deuteronomy, he said, when you come into the land which the Lord gives you, and your cattle be multiplied, and your, and your herds be multiplied, and your silver and your gold be multiplied, then don't forget to thank God for that, because it is the Lord thy God that hath given thee the power to obtain wealth that His covenant may be established in the earth. See, see we have the ability... We don't have to go through life poor, broke, run over, run down, sick, miserable, unless that's what we talk all the time. People say, man, I just can't seem to make money for nothing. Yeah, you can, but you've got to look to God. God's the one that gives us that power and ability and begin to look to Him. God may speak to us like He did. Was was it Booker T. Washington that come up with peanut butter? Out of peanut, was that, am I got the right guy or was it Carver, George W. Carver, huh? George Washington Carver. Boy, I tell you what, I think about that guy every day and thank God for him. I like peanut butter. Yeah, <laughs> I've got to leave the chocolate off. I like it, honey. I remember whenever I was a teenager talking about, I like peanut butter, creamy peanut butter, crunchy peanut butter, to ooey gooey peanut butter. Anyway. That fellow was praying one day, sort of a bowl-like prayer, and God spoke to him and said, Little man, you follow me. You listen to me. And he brought the peanut to him. And he said, I'm going to give you the ability to take this peanut and revolutionize the farming and the food industry. And he did. Look at all the products that come from peanuts. And it was because that this fellow got the attitude that he could do this and from that point on begin to speak life into it. Thomas Edison that, that give us these light bulbs that we have, the ability for that. I'm talking about almost 1,000 what we would call failed experiments about inventing a light bulb. And he turned around and, he, and somebody said to him about all his failures. He said, these are not failures. He spoke life into what he's doing. He said, these are steps to success. Speak life. Now, this next verse. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor of the Lord. You say, well, what's that? You're talking about words. Okay, let me show you. I don't believe any verse in the Bible is there just by accident. I believe every one of them is exactly where it needs to be because God ordered it to be that way. He's talking about our words. What place do you and I need the ability to speak 
life more than we do at home. Right? A lot of times our marriages are the products of the words we speak. Our, our wife is the product of the words we speak. Our, our husband, your husband, your women's husband, okay? <laughs> are products of the words that you speak. You see that? Your children grow up products of the words that we speak over them a lot of times. People talk about generational curses, and I believe there's something to that to a great extent, but I believe in generational words more than I do generational curses, and that's this father saying to that son, you ain't never going to amount to anything. A mother saying the same thing to the daughter. I'm just so afraid of you. No, but listen, what I'm talking about is we need to, on a home situation, especially in a husband and wife relationship, begin to speak good things about our spouse. Speak life into them. Speak life into them. I heard a fellow say one time that he was preaching to a group of women and he, he brought this out about how that you need to speak good things about your husband. And if you can't, if, if, if the only thing he does good is get up in the morning, then tell him, you sure are good at getting up in the morning. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Speak life. Speak life. In Deuteronomy, and we won't turn there, but we won't go to, I'm going to wrap this thing up. Working on cutting back five minutes every Sunday. You say, wait a minute, preacher, how long is it going to be before you won't even be preaching? You cut back five minutes every Sunday. I didn't say for how long that was going to go on, Okay. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, he brought the children of Israel to a point. They were getting ready to cross the Jordan River, go into the promised land. And Moses gave them this word in Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we'll come back to this next week. He said, look, I've set before you this day the way of life and blessings and the way of death and curses. Isn't that somehow that goes along with Proverbs 18, 21? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. God said to him, Now I've set before you the way of death and curses, the way of life and blessing. On one hand, you walk in the blessings of God. On the other hand, you walk away from the blessings of God. Now he said this to him. He said, Now choose life that both you and your family may live. Choose life. Well, how do I choose life? We choose life by the words that we speak. We choose to speak life into situations. We choose to speak life into our Christian life by the words that we speak. People are around, oh, it's so hard to be a Christian. I've heard Christian, people have been Christian 20 years. Man, it's just so hard to be a Christian. I'm going to tell you something. Being a Christian is the easiest thing I've ever done. Not being a Christian is what's hard. You say, wait a minute. You ain't going through what I'm going through. Listen, the Bible says the way of the transgressor is what's hard. If you're having a hard time and everything's just hard and rough for you, you might need to look at that word transgressor and see what may be going on in your life. I'm not saying anybody is doing wrong because you're having it tough right now. That's not what I'm saying. But even in the toughest times, it's better than the best in the roughest times. That makes sense to you? If that didn't, I'll mess you up with this one. The worst of the good. Is still far ahead 
than the best of the bad. Think about that. Life's good. I enjoy it. But even on the worst day, and I have them sometimes. I talked about yesterday afternoon. It's still miles and miles ahead of the days whenever I was in the world and thought I was doing pretty good and living it up. I'll take now over then any time. Why? Because now I'm in the way of life. And I'm determined to choose life and to speak life and to walk in it. And folks, let me tell you something. There's going to be problems and circumstances and situations come along, but I'm determined that it's still easier than living a life of sin and going to hell. Y'all stand. Choose life.